let's settle back into our seats if we can. If you want to stand for the whole time I'm talking, feel free to do that too. Stir them up. Everyone, have you seen Linda this tonight? She's a brand new CLT member. First couple of weeks on the job, working hard. Uh, <laughs> no, she'll love that. But um, yeah, I'm going to speak today, which is pretty exciting. I just want to say before I start, I am really appreciative of the church community that we have here tonight, people on the live stream, people who have come and gone from church. As someone who's grown up, it's really cool to have an opportunity to speak for the first time at church and, and be able to share with you guys. And I think it takes a village to raise a child. And I think this community has been that kind of village for me and has kept me um, in community and in a, in a safe place. And for all those people who've made me feel welcome and feel appreciated, a big thank you to you all and continue to do that. So let's, let's pray and start off. You're clapping yourself, so good job. All right, let's pray. Thank you, God, for today. Thank you for who you are. Thank you that we could be here today um, in a situation that's not normal but is still able to gather together, God. I just pray that you meet with us today, you show us your love, you show us who you are, and that we can continue to search for you and look for you in all that we do. In your name I pray, amen. All right, so let's talk about love. Love is a fun word. Um, true love is something special. You see ideas of it in movies, in music, in culture, that feeling, that emotion inside of you that draws you to someone else, not for any particular reason, but just because you care about them and want to be around them. It's something everyone chases after. So, like, what's the best... We're talking about ideas of it. What's the best love song you've ever heard? Anyone shout it out. Love Me Tender. I Will Always Love You, Steve. Hey Jude. He had that one. He had that one in the bank. He planned it out. Um, I'm, I'm a fan of Love Story. What do we hear at the back? L-O-V-E. L-O-V-E, Nat King Cole, a classic. Um, another good one is 10,000 Miles by Vanessa Carlton. Um, that piano solo. But the, but the line that's like, and I will walk 10,000 miles if I could just see you, um, that's pretty far. I think it's quite a long... It's, no, that's a different song. That's the Proclaimers. Yeah, it's not as far as 10,000 miles. <laughs> I think that one is more love because she's travelling further. Um, look, <laughs> God's love is the same. In fact, it's more than the same. He would stop at nothing to show his love for us. We just have to be open to it. The first slide, if I could have up, Gracie, is Romans 8.38, and it says this. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If the God who created everything, the universe, the planets, humans, cares enough about us to crave a loving relationship with each and every one of us, I think that's pretty good news. For us, it's about falling in love with Jesus, which we'll get to in a tick. Now, God's love is powerful. The power of God conquers sin and heals brokenness. And there's some wild stories in the Bible of how God's love defeated evil. If I knew my Bible well, I'd be clicking my fingers, reeling them off. 
Like that, that, that. There's so many stories. If you pick up your Bible and read it, within a few minutes, I'm sure you'll come across some sort of situation where God's love intervenes or is, is heavily in a part of a situation. But let's just stick to a couple for now. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's three, but it's one story. Um, the three Israelites who were thrown into a fiery furnace. It's a tremendous story of God's love stepping in and changing their life. I'm not going to speak on it for too long, but the whole idea of it is, like, is this. They were refugees in a foreign land. And they refused to bow down to a gold statue and worship it as they had faith in Jesus Christ. The king ordered they'd be thrown into a fire and turn the heat up so high that the soldiers who threw them into the fire died from the intense heat. But the only thing that burned in the furnace were the ropes that tied them together. In fact, when the king looked into the furnace, he could see three figures, not four. The God was with them. When a whole country was against them, God was with them, and he moved in that situation in a life-changing way. In fact, the king... <laughs> pretty soon after converted to Christianity, who was like, what God could do that? And he wanted more of it, and it created a whole move. But it's just an amazing story. And a really cool story, and one that I'll spend a bit more time on today, is the one with Elijah and the widow. One of the greatest prophets in the Bible is Elijah. Went to heaven in a chariot. Um, it's like, you know, year 12 formal, where you, where you get the stretch limo. <laughs> <laughs> you've made it to the end and you're, you're rolling. No, <laughs> um, he, he fought a really good fight. He, he was a good and faithful servant of God. And there was a really awful drought back in his day. People were suffering and starving under wicked rulers and it wasn't a nice time. Elijah himself had no more water. So he went to a widow's house for some water and food. And we'll pick up on the story from there. 1 Kings 17, 10 to 16. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks, and he asked her, Would you please bring me a little water in a cup? As she was going to get it, he called to her, Bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house, and I only have a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal, and then my son and I will die. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid, go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son, for this is what the Lord, your God of Israel, says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days, there was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. Put yourself in the shoes of the widow. Years of drought, seemingly forsaken, no hope in sight. A little boy about to starve to death. Back then, no one would have been around to help the widow, let alone in a drought where there's no help for anyone. Out of nowhere, God sends Elijah and sets in motion a chain of events that would change her life and would save their lives. God provided in a time of desperate need. And it's really amazing, that story. But it wasn't all rosy after that. Let's continue on the very next verse, 1 Kings 17, 17 to 23. Sometime later, the woman's son became sick. 
He grew worse and worse, and finally he died. Then she said to Elijah, O man of God, what have you done to me? Have you come here to point out my sins and kill my son? But Elijah replied, Give me your son. And he took the child's body from her arms, carried him up the stairs to the room where he was staying, and laid the body on his bed. Then Elijah cried out to the Lord, O Lord my God, why have you brought tragedy to this widow who has opened her home to me, causing her son to die? And he stretched himself out over the child three times and cried out to the Lord, O Lord my God, please let this child's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's prayer, and the life of the child returned, and he revived. Then Elijah brought him down from the upper room and gave him to his mother. Look, he said, your son is alive. Hard times still exist. Bad things happen, but God's love on your side can see us through those difficulties and bring us out stronger. John 10.10 says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it to the full. Let's step back into the shoes of the widow. God saved her. She's probably stoked. She's telling her son, God is real. He's saved us. He's amazing. Um, She's gone back to everyday life. And somehow, for some reason, she's quickly faced with a worse situation. She's probably spending those weeks that her son was ill thinking, hey, he'll get better. God's on my side. It's going to be okay. Um, But then he didn't. And he died. And her sorrowful anger was evident. She quickly forgot about God's love and started pointing the finger at Elijah. Her understanding of God's love was based on God's works and her faith faltered when tested. But God's love and grace is not a works program. It's a transforming, mind-renewing power. Elijah's faith was genuine. His cries were heard and God's love showed itself in a phenomenal way again. These are all stories of how God's love changes things. And the ultimate story, the one that affects all of us still today, and we go back to again and again because it's so relevant, is when Jesus died on the cross and rose again. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The human race is broken. We're all sinners. We're all broken. I think we've heard about that a lot at church. (laughs) There's been a lot of sermons really good about how we're no good, but God is good. But something needed to shift for us to be free from sin. So God sent his son, who was perfect and sinless, to carry our pain and die on the cross for our brokenness. But of course, at the cross, Jesus took upon himself our brokenness when he died on the cross with none, with no brokenness of his own. In my opinion, there's no greater image of love than what Jesus did on that cross, Jesus' sacrifice of dying on the cross. Imagine the pain Imagine the suffering and the torture. John 15, 13 says on the screen, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. But then, of course, he defeated death and rose again. Brokenness was defeated. Sin was defeated. Satan himself was defeated once and for all. Because, of course, if Jesus defeated death on that day, he can and does defeat death over and over again. Because of this, our brokenness no longer separates us from God. As John 3.16 says, For God loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Because Jesus died on the cross and rose again, we can have relationship with God. We can have that love-filled relationship with God. We can see 
God's love move in our lives. The key for us, however, is for us to be open to him, to open our hearts and say, God, I want your love in my life. That's the decision that we have to make. That's when God can change things. But just hang on for a minute, because we don't love God. We don't love God because he can do good things in our lives. You will never understand the true feeling of what it's like to be loved by God if you're only seeking it for what he can do for you. God's love is not transactional. And, I mean, I'll I'll run through a couple of examples of what we tend to do as as Christians. Um, Hey, I need God right now because I've lost my job. I'm in financial ruin. Can I have this much of God's love? Enough to help me get back on my feet, but not enough to make me feel guilty about my porn addiction. Or this one. Oh man, thank goodness for God. He's set me back on the right path, he says, before he drives home from church and ignores God for the week. Later on, why do I feel so inadequate? He asks a few days later as he scrolls through Instagram for hours. I wonder who that was. <laughs> um, look, we've all, we're all there. I'm speaking from example in this, in this sermon, especially that last one. I was wrestling with that, and I'll talk about it a bit more in a second. But you will never fully understand nor feel what it's like to be loved by God when your relationship with him is a tap that you turn on and off. It's... It's about falling in love with Jesus. It's more than that. It's about falling in love with Jesus, falling head over heels for him like a bride for a groom, loved in a way that surpasses understanding, loved in a way that makes you whole despite of your mess, love that looks at you and says, you're exactly how I want. You're exactly who I want. Falling in love with God means letting go and getting swept up by his love. You're in his arms and you're content. You no longer have to strive or worry about where to go. He knows exactly where to go and where you're meant to be. This is what it means to find your worth, your value, your self-worth in Christ, falling in love with the one who knows and cares about you more than any human could. Hosea 2, 19 to 20 Hosea has some awesome examples of what it's like to be the bride of God, but I will make, it says this, I will make you my wife forever, showing you righteousness and justice, unfailing love and compassion. I will be faithful to you and make you mine, and you will finally know me as the Lord. This type of love is romantic. It's beautiful. The best example of, that we have of this type of love at least I imagine, I don't have much experience in this department, is that, is that, (laughs) best example we have of this type of love is that moment between bride and groom at the altar, looking in each other's eyes. In that moment, at least I imagine, (laughs) stick with me, in that moment, your faults no longer matter. When you're looking at your spouse in the eye, your faults no longer matter, your mess is irrelevant, you're exactly how the other person wants you to be. Your value to them is immeasurable. But while a strong, field, a strong love-filled human relationship covers faults and forgives wrongdoing, the power of God's love goes a step further and conquers sin and heals brokenness. That moment of pure love between brood, broom and bride... <laughs> it was bad to happen.
Ouais, ouais, ouais. That's good. Vet seeks something new. Um, all right. Let that moment of pure love between groom and bride at the altar, that's how God looks at us all the time. If only we'd meet him at the altar and turn our eyes to him, onto him. If only we could show that love for Christ like a groom shows his love for a bride at the altar. We could meet God at the altar like that. I'll be honest, I've spent years with the mindset that the more I can do for God, the more he can do in my life. The more I align my heart closer to God, the more doors he'll open. Thankfully, I've still seen God's grace in action in my life. However, that mindset is not love. That's a commercial partnership. <laughs> that year, uh, this year actually, um, as I continued to fall short and stumble, I'd get frustrated that my heart wasn't aligned enough. I'd get jaded that my devotion routine and my spiritual disciplines weren't sticking. I couldn't understand why I had so much self-doubt and insecurity despite stepping into some awesome roles of leadership this year. Fearless youth being number one on that list, respect to the handful that are here today. But my understanding of God's love was warped. Deep down, my eyes were on me. They weren't on God. It was about what God's love could do for me rather than just stepping out in faith, letting go and falling in love with him. God's love is not transactional, it's relational. And boy, wouldn't it be nice to see some more authentic, genuine, revitalizing relationships with God in the church? But let's not stop there because God's love changes things in our lives and in the lives of the community around us. Maybe you're caught up with the idea of revival Maybe that's something exciting, and it is. The revival is a bit of a buzzword. It's exciting. It's like, oh, this is cool. As um, Here's something. Stop seeing revival as this vague manifestation that happens every couple of decades and start seeing revival as God's love spreading into communities that desperately need him. Make it something tangible where you can actually step in and be a part of it. You can step in and be a vessel of God's love and see it at work in the community around you. Because God's love changes things. I just believe that there's so much more that God has for this community and for the communities around Adelaide, Australia and the world. And it starts and ends with God's love. It starts and ends with falling in love with Jesus. God's love gives us a meaning, a reason to be on this earth. God's love stands up to hate and loneliness and builds communities full of love and life. God's love builds divine friendships where we help those struggling and help carry those who can't do life on their own any longer. God's love builds families that love, that work through their problems and care for each other. God's love builds homes that heal neglect and hurt and bring joy and hope. God's love creates futures that do not settle for the comfortable, the mediocre, but creates people who are bold and chase value. God's love enables us to live with purpose and meaning that our lives actually have worth, like looking in the eyes, looking up at God and seeing a, a groom that loves you, that, that surpasses anything else. God's love stands tall when everything else is falling. Remember, God's love doesn't mean there aren't hard times, but we're able to overcome the difficulties through him. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were thrown into the fire before God's love saved them. 
They had to deal with the whole country being against them before God's love saved them. The widow still lived through the harshest drought. The boy still died before he was resurrected. Even Jesus had to die and be in a grave for three days before he rose from the grave and defeated death. Um, If I could get the band back up and just for a moment, we're going to get back into some worship in a second. But if I could get people to just bow their heads and we'll just talk out this last bit. Maybe it feels like everything's collapsing around you. Maybe it feels like everything is falling. Today isn't the end of the story, but it could be the beginning. It could be that line in the sand moment where you discover relationship with him, where you fall in love with him. God's love stands tall when everything else around us is falling. And there are so many incredible stories of that. It's even in this building of God's love rushing in and transforming lives. Most of you have heard Nonna's story. It's incredible. I encourage you to ask her about it around coffee one time. But others, Steve and Judy, when they were younger, David Burford, David Saint, any number of people in this building has, have had an experience with God and God's love where it's rushed in and transformed their lives. And that God is the same God that is here today. That God who many of you opened your hearts up to and fell in love with is with you right now. The God that saved the woman in drought is the same God that we pray to and worship. That same God that resurrected the boy can meet you in whatever situation you're in. That same God that helped Nonna raise five kids on her own in a foreign country is here today. That same God is that you could fall in love with tonight is is here right now. And maybe it's time for you to rediscover God's love. Maybe it's time for you to find out what it's like to fall in love with Him. Maybe you had that and you remember what it's like, but you need to rediscover that. And I'll just read a bit that I've already spoken out before, but it's about falling in love with Jesus, falling head over heels for Him, like a bride for a groom, loved in a way that surpasses understanding, Loved in a way that makes you whole, despite of your mess. Love that looks at you and says, you're exactly how I want. You're exactly who I want. That's God's love for us. And that's something that is available to all of us tonight. That's something that is here for people, if their hearts are open, to step into and say, God, I want that. I want you, I need you in my life. I want you to step in and help me because I can't do it on my own. And if that's you tonight, we're just going to worship for the next 10, 15 minutes even. And it's just a chance for you to fall in love with God again. It's a chance for you to talk to God, to pray with Him, to reach out to Him with your heart open and say, God, I want to fall in love with you again. I've done it my way for too long. I've been trying to take control of this relationship for too long, God. I want to put my eyes on you. I want to fall in love with you again. And it's something that we go through again and again in our lives. We so often fall back into the same traps 
but this tonight is a chance to just realign our hearts with God and to just fall into his arms and let him carry us and that's an opportunity that we have so as we worship as we sing that last song and maybe a couple others too let's just find God tonight let's just reach out to him let him take hold of us let him carry us don't strive and struggle on your own anymore let God's love take you and when you feel ready feel free to stand feel free to worship but let's just experience this moment with God let's experience this moment with him where he steps in and loves on us like only he could thank you
you know, I think it's important that in this space, in this moment where you're doing business with God, that you, that it's important to make a declaration that you're coming back to the to His heart. You're coming back to Him, and you're you're reaching out to Him again, and you're letting yourself go into His arms. It's something that is important to say, "Hey, I'm." God, I'm all yours. Take me. Take who I am. And it takes away the devil's power when you do that because he can't hide in the shadows anymore when you step out into the light and say, hey, I'm doing this. The devil has no power in the light because the light destroys darkness. So if that's you tonight, if you just want to find God's love again, I encourage you to just lift your hands up, declare that God, you're number one in my life. I want to fall in love with you. I want your love to step in and take a hold in my heart. If that's you, lift your hands and worship. Lift your hands, step out in faith. Show your declaration of faith in a way that is not normal to you and just say, God, I'm all yours. As we continue to sing, as we continue to worship, I encourage you, if that's you, just to lift your hands and